Hey guys, it's game day. Oh yeah. This is the Jump Around with Blake Udonis. Thank you for joining us for part two of our pilot episode. Look, I'm not going to waste the time. I got coffee. I got my bracket ready. Let's get right to this. We got Joni Taylor, head coach of Georgia. We got Lindsey Whalen, WNBA legend. Get these interviews in. Hope you enjoy them. And then it's time for some basketball. And we're back here on the jump around with Blake Dudonis, and it is my pleasure to welcome in a, a head coach that I've gotten to, to watch a lot of this season. It is Joni Taylor with the University of Georgia, and Coach, uh, first off, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you hopping on. I know you're getting ready for your tournament game uh, this weekend. What has it been like for you? This is year three for you. You make the tournament your first year, but... You're, you're in that 8-9 spot, so it's kind of a, man, if we get out of the first weekend, that'd be great, but you know the odds are stacked against you. To now, you go in as a host, so your expectations are almost, you know, hey, we're going to get out of the first weekend. What's been the difference since that first year to now? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Blake. Um, I'm a fan of yours, so I'm honored to be on the show. I think the difference is just the confidence of our kids and obviously the, the talent we have around us. You know, we have gotten by a lot on just our hard work and our defensive ability. And this year, we, we continued those principles because that's the foundation for what we do. But we've been able to add a lot more offense in and numbers to it. So um, the conversation in the recruiting process, and even for our young ladies who have been here with me all three years, is you came to Georgia to not only just go to the tournament, but to make a deep run in the tournament. And that's not pressure. That's the expectation. The good thing is we're not asking you to do anything that hasn't been done before here. <laughs> the blueprint is set. You walk through these hallways and you see the trophies and the pictures of, you know, Hall of Famers and Olympians and freshmen of the year and national players of the year. The blueprint's been set. We've been to Final Fours. We've been to the Sweet 16. We've played in two championship games. So we're not asking you to do anything that has not been done. And so I think getting them to understand that, just increase their level of play and want to. It's been so fun to watch. And so for them to go from making the tournament their first year, um, Haley Clark, Mackenzie Ingram, Kalia Robinson, even though Mackenzie could not play her first year, she was, you know, sitting out at the time because of a heart condition, to last year not making the tournament at all and then to not only be in the tournament this year but to be hosting, number one, like I told them the other day to just sit in that for a moment and look at what they've accomplished. But let's not pat ourselves on the back yet. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, and just talk about what comes to that expectation. Yes, you know, we're supposed to make it out, but we've got a tough challenge ahead of us in Mercer. We have a lot of respect for them. We obviously play them every year in our non-conference. Susie is another former Bulldog who paved the way here, and um, she does a tremendous job, so we've got our hands full. Well, you mentioned Robinson and Ingram, and so often those are the players highlighted on your team as far as when people talk about you, but you guys have a little bit more depth than just those two. Maybe just talk a little bit about some of those other players that kind of fly under the radar. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, the conversation is always Mac and Clyde, as it should be. They've earned the right to, to have the conversation be about them, but I think what makes it special and different is that you look at, you look at our roster and every single night it can be someone different. You don't know who that third, fourth, and sometimes fifth person is going to be, and that's, that's been the beauty and the strength of our team. Taja Cole, who transferred from Louisville, you know, really took advantage of her year last year when she was sitting out to learn our offense learn our players and, and really understand when it was time for her to score and time for her to get the ball in other people's hands. And so for someone who could probably on a lot of other teams be averaging double figures for her to make, be so care, you know, careless in herself in terms of not wanting to score or having to score. You're talking about a kid who was the MVP of the, of the Jordan game and the McDonald's All-American who is trying to count assist. You know, she wants to, to assist and do whatever she can to help the team to even – a Gabby Connolly, who scores 37 against Texas A&M, and she comes off the bench. You know, Maya Caldwell, who could be a, a starter in a lot of places in our league, who comes off the bench. Simone Costa from Portugal, Spain, who plays for her national team and is coming off the bench here. Those kids could all be a lot more, um, quite probably a star in a lot of other places. But for them to want to be here and be willing to – contribute in the way that they have to make sure the team has success is, is why I think you know this team has had so much fun and they get along so well and we've been able to make the run we've, we've, we've made this year. Yeah well let's step back a little bit and kind of talk about you personally. You, you had plenty of accolades yourself. You're from 
Mississippi, you were the Gatorade Player of the Year, and you've kind of you've spent your entire life in SEC country. Played at Bama, even when you were coaching at, at Troy and Louisiana Tech. You know, you're still in SEC country. Uh, what has that been like for you? Obviously, rising through the ranks as an assistant, and now being the head coach at Georgia in the SEC. What's that been like? Kind of growing up in that type of environment. You know, it's 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 all a huge blessing, Blake. Like it's unbelievable what I've been able to do in terms of who I got a chance to play against. I mean, when I was at Alabama, my teammates were Dominique Canty and Brittany Evell and uh, you know Tasha Mills, great great players. And then um, I played against you know to make a whole of clubs there with the three meeks to Tennessee. And you look at Georgia, and it was Kelly and Coco Miller and Keisha Brown and Tweed Nolan. And I mean, so just what I was able to experience as a player and compete against, play against, practice with every day, and then you go on and look at when I started becoming an assistant. I was very fortunate to work with people who um, were willing to pour knowledge into me, speak life into me, and tell me that if you know I continued to just work hard, good things would happen. And so I chose to believe that, and it's gotten me to where I am today. But I can't say enough about just the mentors that I've had um, in terms of people who I work for, but also in the business who took the time to share with me and, and make sure that um, I was ready whenever the opportunity made itself available. Was there ever a moment when you take over? You're obviously an assistant on Andy Lander's staff at Georgia, and then there's kind of a gap there as they figured out who to hire. When they when they did hire you and you're the head coach, was there ever a, you know, holy, holy bleep, what did I get myself into moment? <laughs> Um, no, not exactly. I mean, I think when you're here as an assistant, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you you know, obviously I'm very aware of Georgia. They were, you know, Coach Landers recruited me. I played against Georgia for four years, recruited against Georgia as an assistant coach. But when you get here and you walk the hallways every single day and you really can visualize and lay eyes on what's been done here, it is amazing, amazing. And so that's when you have that moment. It's when you first come here and, you you know, you're working and Teresa Edwards comes and sits down in your office and says, now here's the expectation mm-hmm. in Georgia, Joni. Yeah. Uh, yes, ma'am. And then a couple <laughs> weeks later, Lisa O'Connor walks in and Katrina McLean and Sawyer Roundtree's texting you about recruiting players and, and having coaches back. That's when you're like, oh, my God, because you <laughs> truly feel, you, you understand that these, they're, they're, they're bought in. They, they follow it, they know what's going on, and they, there's an expectation that comes with it. So I think I got that in 2011 when I showed, in, showed up in Athens. Um, so when I finally was um, offered the job and sat down with Greg and Carla, it, it, what, I didn't have that moment. What I had was I have got to make them proud. Yeah. I, I can't wait to make Teresa proud and Lisa O'Connor proud and Lady Harmon Grooms and Coach Landers. That. That's, you know, my, that was my thought process. Yeah. Was that something when Coach Landers decided to step away, was that a position that you knew right away, hey, I, I think I'm ready for this, I'd like this head coaching job, or did it, did it take a little time? You know, I, I knew that I was ready for it. I um, felt like for the last couple of years I was ready to be a head coach. I just knew that it was going to come down to the opportunity and the right fit. And so that's what I was focusing on. Number one, I had a great job as an assistant, and it was going to take the right opportunity and the right fit and the right administration to get me to even leave Georgia and consider being a head coach somewhere else. Um, I did not think that I was head coach in waiting. Uh, even when they were having a search, I knew it could go a lot of different ways because there's a lot of capable people who can do this job. So I was grateful to have the opportunity. Um, but I, I knew that I was ready. Coach Landers did a tremendous job of putting, giving me a lot of responsibility, um, not only in the basketball floor, but in, in meetings that he allowed me to have access to that most assistant coaches don't have access to. Um, so I felt prepared. Yeah. Now, your opportunity to be a head coach, obviously a great one for you, but it did end up taking away an opportunity for your husband, uh, who was an assistant at South Carolina. Was there ever, uh, was there any uh, friendly uh basketball arguments at, at home once uh, once Darius stepped away and, and you were leading the charge did, did he ever challenge you and, and hey why you know why'd you why'd you guys do this and why are you asking me that was there any anything fun like that you could share well so yeah I mean of course he's so for the people who don't know my husband Darius Taylor was an assistant coach at South Carolina um, he also worked with Don at Temple so they're like family we're all like family and um, the, we were engaged um, that last year that we were both assistants. So the plan was to 
you know, live in Augusta, and we were both going to commute back and forth to our respective schools. And then when Chris Landers retired, um, you know, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Either he was going to be, you know, um, still coaching at South Carolina, and we were going to commute and figure it out, or if I didn't get the job, I was moving to Columbia. This thing could have gone a totally different way. Um, when I got the job, he's the one who said, I'm stepping away. And I was like, no, you can't. Like, what are you talking about? And he's just, it's, it's hard enough as it is. You know, there's just, I, I don't want to be pulled in two different directions. I want to support you and, and Georgia and what we're going to build. And so the credit to him to do that because he knew in that moment he was walking away from a national championship. I think we all saw that coming. And so yeah. for him to make that decision, to make that type of sacrifice for us, you know, it just speaks to who he is, and obviously that's why I married him. <laughs> um, yes, after after um, we get into coaching and practicing, you know, he, he misses it. It's, who it. it's in his blood. It's who he is. So more so than having banter back and forth, he just wanted to know how it's practice. You know, how, how's it going? What are you guys doing? It wasn't like he never questioned anything that we did. He often came to practices just to watch because he missed it and wanted to be around it, not because he had a critiquing eye or anything like that. So if anything, I would ask him, well, what did you think in this game about that? Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for who he is as a basketball coach and his eyes and what he sees. So I would ask him a lot of questions in that regard, but I don't think we've ever really gotten into it back and forth in terms of him you know, questioning the decisions we made. I think he's been in it long enough to know if you're not in that huddle ever in that moment or in practice every day, then there's a reason why things were done. Yeah, fair enough. And and he was recently named an assistant with the new staff uh, with the Atlanta Dream in the WNBA. So I'm sure that was a, a happy moment uh, for you guys once once he came home with that news. It was. You know, I think um, it just speaks to, again, he's been out for two years. And then he gets that phone call from Nikki. And obviously we were familiar with her from her time at Arkansas with Tom. But um, it speaks to who he is and just – being patient and waiting on the right thing for you and the right opportunity. And so I was really happy for him. And again, just really feeling blessed because, you know, God's taking care of us every step of the way. And so for him to have that opportunity um, where we can still both live at home and, and he can drive back and forth and I can support him where our seasons don't clash, it just all worked out. God's timing is always the right timing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, enough about him. Let's go back to you. Uh, you, uh, you do have a new addition to your family, a newish addition, about a 16 month old. What's, what has that been like? Obviously, um, having having your child, having a child for the first time, but uh, being yeah. being a mother and and just not even in relation to basketball because there's a, a ton of parents in basketball. But uh, what has that special moment been for you? It has been. So much fun. Um, my daughter's name is J.C. Elise Taylor. J.C. Elise is hilarious, Blake. I swear she's 15 already. She is, her vocabulary is out of this world. And so it, the things that she says now, at every stage has been different. You know, as an, as an infant, it, you know, she goes from when recognition. So when she, first it was her, you know, the smell. She could smell, you. Just, oh, my mom, it's my mom, it's my dad. And then obviously just the smile that she gets when you walk into the room at about three, four months and her eyes start following you across the room and things like that. And then she starts crawling and the smile comes in at the end of the day when you walk in and she's got that smile. And now that she can talk, oh my gosh, watch out. It's like, um, she's saying all kinds of things. She knows all the players on the team by name. She's yelling foul during the game. <laughs> um, any, she's a parent. So anything That's that great. you say, she will repeat. Let well, me just tell you. Well, it's probably, the other day I was watching something. I said, are you serious? And she looked at me and threw her hands up. She goes, are you serious? Oh, and I said, oh, boy. That's amazing. So You're going to have your hands full. She's got a great personality. Um, and it just it's the best thing you could ever do. Oh. It is the best thing. And it really puts, you know, we're not going to talk basketball, but it puts it all in perspective because good days, bad days. I understand when I walk through that door, she wants me to be mama, and that's all I have to be. Yeah, that's great. It's maybe maybe it's best that uh, you know Coach Lander's not there. I know his language can uh, get col- colorful at times, so maybe that's uh, for the best. He was remedy. in the office yesterday trying to get her to drink Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, so so you know, I, I'll I'll kind of get wrap it up with this. Uh, one thing that it's it's noteworthy, I think, is that you're one of just six black female head coaches that have made the NCAA tournament this year, and just one of ten. Uh, black coaches uh, in total as far as making the tournament. Uh, with Dawn winning the national championship last year, just the second uh, black female to ever uh, win a national championship, what does that mean for you uh, 
pride-wise as far as you being a part of that group and, and just kind of trying to further and push this, this thing down the road as you, know, you seek to get more opportunities for people because you are uh, in a unique situation? Yeah, um, obviously it's a proud moment. I'm very humbled. I'm grateful to be in that number. Um, and, you know, I grew up watching C.J. Vivian Stringer and watching, you know, just what she did and, you know, wishing that there were more opportunities. And so I think what's important is that as we get these opportunities, we have to be ready. And then once we're ready, you know, just uh, make sure we handle things appropriately from an ethics to ethical standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, and just continue to push the needle. And so um, I think there's a lot of other people who are capable and ready for their um, their opportunity to be a head coach. And so... If, if there's anything that I can do by what we're doing here at Georgia to make people more confident and pull on the trigger, um, then great. You know, overall, I think the best person should get the ball. I mean, excuse me, the best person should get the job regardless of, you know, their skin color or, you know, male, female. But to, to it would be um, reckless of me if I did not address the fact that there are not as many opportunities for minorities. So just, again, to be in that number, I'm proud, and I want to do whatever I can to make sure that I'm doing things the right way so that it will give people the confidence to continue pulling the trigger in that direction. Yeah, that's great. And just last thing, and we'll, we'll wrap it up with your team. You mentioned Mercer, who, who's a tough team. You're, you handed them one of their two losses this year. Um, and as you look down the road, if you are able to get out of that game, you've got the winner of Duke and Belmont. So you don't have an easy path at all for you guys uh, going into this. What's been... What's been the message to the team and what's been the overall morale of the team? Again, you guys are hosting, which is a big deal, but just how, what's your team's state of mind right now? We're in a really good place. You know, I think our conversation is always, there's only one game in our bracket. There is no bracket. It's Mercer. That's it. Because if you don't beat Mercer, you, there is no more season. So we don't look at what's after Mercer. We don't look at where we go after Mercer. I have no idea. Our, our conversation is Mercer. And um, there's a comfortability there. Again, we play them every single year. We're very familiar with them, which means we're not taking them for granted. There's, it's been amazing. The things I've seen about, oh, well, after you beat Mercer, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Let's not. I mean, Mercer's won 27 games in a row. You said it yourself. Yeah. They've only lost two games this year. They're a top 25 team. This region, this bracket, these four teams come into Athens. We're the only uh, first and second round that all four teams are ranked in the top 25. Mm. So um, we know that we've got our hands full with them. And, that, and I think because we know Mercer, we're not taking them for granted. We have a lot of respect for what they do, and we know they're capable of doing great things. Yeah, well, Coach, I can't thank you enough for joining us and, and kind of sharing your story with us. It's been fun watching you guys play this year, and I hope to watch you guys play many more games this season. Thank you so much, Blake. Right. I appreciate you. Yep. Best of luck, and we'll see you soon. Okay. All right, Coach. Bye-bye. Again, Joni Taylor, head coach at the University of Georgia. I'm so impressed with what Joni's done. So often when you see someone take over a program after it's had success, it's a difficult little stretch because everything you do is compared to your predecessor. It's almost as if you'd rather take over a team that went you know, 5 and 20 as opposed to a team that went 20 and 5 just because everything you do is scrutinized and compared to what happened before. And anytime something doesn't work or something goes wrong, it's, hey, this didn't happen before or we didn't do this before. So the fact that she was able to, able to take over for a Hall of Famer and Andy Landers and kind of make this team form into her identity in just three seasons, finishing top three in the SEC this year, going to the SEC tournament semifinals, and now having a three seed and a chance to host in the NCAA tournament. It's a pretty big deal, and she's knocking down doors for others like her. And it's been kind of fun to see up close and personal uh, living down in SEC country. So we certainly appreciate Joni's time, especially with the tournament just a day away, and we're better for it. So we're going to step away, and when we come back, it's going to be WNBA superstar Lindsey Whalen who joins us. So obviously not someone in the college ranks, but someone who, when she was in college, was extremely impressive, led her Minnesota Golden Gophers to a Final Four, and I know she's happy about that. So we will talk to her about that and a bunch of other stuff, too. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. This was a fun interview to do. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. And welcome back to The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. I am very happy to be joined with women's basketball legend, great, I don't know what she'd prefer to be called, but Lindsay Whalen in with us. And 
Linz, uh, thank you first off for joining us and congratulations to your, your Gophers for getting back into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a, that was pretty cool. I was at the um, I was at their selection, the selection show type thing where I was um, as actually doing a, you know, I was part of the broadcast and they were one of the last eight that was like iffy if they'd made it in or out. So I was like, this is gonna be kind of dicey. You know, what happens if we don't get in? So <laughs> I was like thinking, sitting there, worst case scenario, how does this play out if we don't get in? But luckily. Luckily, we got the 10 seed. We're out in Oregon, so so I think we should be. Uh, I think we should be good. And I mean, if you want to go with Legend, I'd be good with that. Okay, very good. So Legend, Lindsey Whalen, in here with us. Uh, Legend, <laughs> do you have a favorite NCAA tournament memory? Oh, uh, yeah, just beating Duke, beating Duke to go to the Final Four, um, and just getting to play that year. I mean, you know, I broke my hand in February mm-hmm. of that season. So yeah, I broke my hand and I missed eight games. So I missed like, I think it was like five and a half weeks. And I came back and played with a cat, like a kind of like a soft cast and just getting to play again. One, I got to play two games at Williams arena where I, you know, there was a point there where who knows if I was ever going to be able to play there again because of my hand. And so I got two games there against Kansas state, and, uh, well, first UCLA, then Kansas State. And then, you know, to go to a Final Four, it just kind of catapulted our team to kind of a whole new level, like in the state and, you know, in the history books. So uh, I'll probably say that game there in Norfolk, Virginia, where we, where we were able to, to beat the one seed. They were the one overall seed. They were the number one team going in. So it was a pretty, pretty good win for us. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember your stat line for the game? That game? I'm not at 27. Um, I didn't shoot that well, though. Um, my shooting wasn't great in that whole tournament. Um, I had 27, uh, you know, give or take five rebounds, five assists, probably something like that. Actually, I think I maybe had eight or nine assists. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my first game back, I had 31. So that was kind of cool. First game back after my hand, yeah. I had 31. So that was fun. Well, transitioning from that, your time in college into the WNBA, can you talk a little bit about the transition from your, from, from getting out of college to your rookie year and some of the personalities on the team and how you adapted to the league? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it took a while because I was coming from, anytime you go from where you're the captain and you're a leader and you're a senior to a rookie, it's a big adjustment because now you're playing with a bunch of older women who have been playing overseas for all these years and who have all this experience. And my the team in Connecticut, um, it was it was we had five five rookies, but then we had the people the starters were all veteran. I mean, Katie Douglas was five years older than me. She was the next person age wise to me. And then Nikisha Sales was late 20s, Taz was in her 30s, Wendy was in her 30s. And so when I got to start a job, it was like I was 21 years old, 22 years old, and I had to be able to lead this group of big-time veterans, you know, like people who have been all-stars for all these years. And um, then, to, you know, all these, you know, world championship games and uh, conference finals games and things like that. And it was like um, – man, now I kind of have to have the reins. And it took a while. It probably took halfway through that season. Um, one game that really helped me was I had 13 assists against Detroit. And me and Coach T always say that that was our kind of turning point in that season. It was my turning point that all of a sudden everybody in the team was like, okay, yeah, I want to play the third because I'm going to get everybody the ball, you know? Yeah. And then um, and then we ended up making the finals that year. We had a really good run. So kind of after that point, the team, we kind of figured it out, and we had a pretty slow start, um, but then we ended up finishing 18 and 16. We ended up getting the, the one seed in the conference, by the way, of tiebreakers, and we were one shot away from beating Seattle for the title, so that was all in my rookie year, and it was, um, it was, it ended up being great, you know, because we made it to the finals, and we were, went to, like, the last game, had a shot to win it. But there's definitely some growing pains to start that season. It was pretty tough, but um, between Coach T and the other veterans, I mean, 
we had it was a fun year because we had also had a lot of rookies so it was like the people I played with that's who I you know kind of had to um you know be able to leave them but then off the court I, I had all my rookie friends that that you know we got to hang out and go out after the game we were just out of college so it was kind of like there's a little bit of college part two for us so it was still uh it was a lot of fun. It was a really great year. Yeah. Uh, true or false, after wins during that rookie year, uh, you guys went out and, and, and got after it. We, well, if we had the day off the next day, true. Okay. Yes, we oh. would. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we, we wanted to make sure that we won because then we knew we'd get the day off. And so, or if we like looked at the schedule and we knew we didn't have a game for a while, we kind of tell that Coach T would give us the day off. And so we'd, we'd kind of plan ahead. And we'd make sure we were ready for the post-game festivities just as much as we were ready for the, the actual game. So it was, a, it was good. It was a fun, really fun uh, year. And, expect, you know, like I said, just coming out of college, it was, uh, it was an awesome year. Yeah. It was really fun. Well, you've been in the league for a while, so you've traveled a ton. What is your favorite road city and what is your favorite road restaurant? Ooh, road city would be... Uh, I would have to say Seattle, um, just because the weather, it's always, like, pretty mild there. Um, the arena is great. The atmosphere down there is, is awesome. Or, um, you know, Key Arena, it always, it never disappoints. You know, they're always into the game. They're always getting after you. And it's just, like, it's always, it always feels like a playoff game there for some reason. And we've had a lot of playoff games with them. So, um so yeah, I would say that would probably be my favorite road city uh, restaurant. There's actually this place in Phoenix, uh, right by our hotel, called the Arrogant Butcher, that has really good, really good food. It has like pretzel dips with the like cheese fondue. Oh yeah. And then like a turkey sloppy joe. Um, it's like you can go like really good beef salad, so you can go healthy. You can also go, you know, a little more unhealthy for post game. Um, and then there's actually a really good brunch place there, too, that, uh, that's really good. It's uh, called The Breakfast Club, and it has, like, amazing omelets and stuff. So I'd probably say food-wise, actually, Phoenix, just because there's all these places that are so close to us. Yeah. But city-wise, like, the full city, the full gamut of the city would be Seattle. As far as now playing with Minnesota, and I think it's fair to say you have a fiery on-court personality, and you play for a head coach who has a fiery on-court personality. Uh, have you yeah. and um, have you and Coach Reeve ever ever gotten into it? And if so, can you can you share that with us? Um, I don't think we've ever really gotten into it like um, like too much back and forth. I mean, she's gotten out. She's definitely gotten out of me. I mean. I mean, sure. I feel like in there's some halftime locker rooms where, you know, you kind of have needed it. Like, uh, let's say Courtney Vandersloot just lit me up or uh, new teammate Danny Robinson was, like, taking it to me. She definitely would. But it was, you know, it was to fire me up more than anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she would kind of, she's definitely, you know, lit me up, like, in the locker room before. And, um, you know, and in that situation... I'm probably not saying much back, to be honest, because I don't want to, I'm really not, I've never been brought up with like, okay, let me go back and forth with my coach, you know, you, you kind of just take it, and you kind of just like, you take it, and then, you know, as much as you can, you try to like, in like, take the message, but like, in one, in one year out the other, as far as like, the tone, mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty fired up, it's not personal, but yep. like, it usually takes a couple of days to like let it be like okay, you know, like okay, I'm I'm recovered from that. <laughs> and yeah. I knew it was for like she was just trying to push me extra to get that win that night. You know, and I think that's something I've realized into my career that when coaches are doing that, it's most of the time to get whatever the win that day because that's what they need to accomplish. It's not anything else, you know. And sure. so, um, but I'm trying to think back and forth, like no, like we have like. When we talk on the court, it's instructing me like back and forth. It's more about like, what do you think this play is here? I mean, you know, I I, I think it's more of that type of thing when we when we have like um, like hey no like I, I'll say no let's do this or like let's let's think about this play here let's get something for Maya or Simone you know 
um, it's more of that type of stuff than when it's um, when she's heated. I pretty much everybody pretty much just closes their mouths, listens, and then tries to do better. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah. How about what is for one of you and and Coach Reeves uh, post game talks? What is what is your beer of choice as you sit there and discuss? You know, all life's mysteries yeah, involving well, your team. Honeyvice, which is okay. I feel like now we're in my 15th year, I might be able to put in on that order. I'd probably go with Stella, or depending on my condition of the season, Michelob Ultra. Okay. Um, just because, you know, you got to watch the carbs and all that. But, sure. Uh, no, I just would, you know, last year we just started doing this thing, and she has, um, she has her drinks. But I would probably say, yeah, I would probably go with uh, a Stella if I had, if I was like able to, if a player was able to like, you know, get in on that. It hasn't really been a thing, but now it's like, hey, I'm 35, like we've been in this for a lot, a lot of, a lot of the years, like let's recap the game, let's talk about what we did well, let's talk about what we didn't, and sometimes it's like, hey, just what do you, you know, it's, it's kind of like talk about whatever, and usually Brunson comes in and it's kind of our little post-game tradition. So it's actually a lot easier on the road, too, because you don't have somewhere to get, you know, home. And, sure. And then, obviously, like, driving and all that. But, um, so, yeah. I was, But, yeah, they, they get line and And I think that's a leftover thing from Jim P. and West. Okay. Who, uh, our video coordinator and then Jim P. from the uh, the previous year. I think that's their kind of leftover thing. So, I don't know. I think I might need to clear, talk to Claire, who kind of does those orders and, as long as our trainer and like everybody's okay with me putting in an order, I'm probably gonna end up doing that this year. But yeah, do you change it up? Do you get greedy with the Stella and ask for the the chalice as well, or you just drink it out of the bottle? Oh man, I. I mean, while you're asking for things, you know. I would just go bottle. Okay. When I'm out at a restaurant, it's always like it's always disappointing when it doesn't come with the chalice with the Stella Artois name on it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's part well, of the experience. Like, if that's, if that's coming, and that, so that's how it is overseas. So I'm like, when that ends up coming, I'm like, I know it's going to be a good night for sure. <laughs> what about... Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. What Now, you mentioned some of your teammates there in the back. This is probably an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it and demand one answer. Who is the best teammate you've ever played with? That's so tough. I know. So unfair. Um, it's it's a really unfair question. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, can I do one year, one, can I do one in Connecticut and one in Minnesota? That is fair. I Yes, compromise has been okay. met. I'll, I'll bargain with you on that. Very good. So, uh, Asia Jones and Rebecca Brunson. Okay. Those are my two, two best. Just same demeanor every day. Like the hardest workers, um, the greatest people, like offer you, like it's like give you like solid answers and advice. You know, like I was just, I was actually honestly just talking to Asia the other day. I talked to Asia a lot in the last couple weeks about just kind of the point of your career, like when, like when you know, like you know when you like you know the whole retirement talk. Like when, when did you know? Like I asked her, you know, like what did you, what were you feeling and whatnot. Just you know. And she's someone who I know I can trust, and like she's not going to go like say anything to anybody, and you know, you know, start any of this, you know, type of thing. So she's awesome. And then Brunson is just like we work out every day, and we we talk and we hang out, and so yeah. So those are my two top. I've had a lot. I mean, it'd be hard to not put Maya and Simone and Taj and Katie Douglas into that conversation, but. If I had to pick, if I had to pick two, those would be my two okay. from each era. Link, Connecticut Sun and Link, those are my two best. Yeah. Coincidentally, power forwards too. Yeah, yeah, probably not a coincidence. Like, you know, like the point guard power forward position. It's like a it's, for sure. You know who you're, who I'm usually working with on the court. Like they're bonding it to me. They're my trail big. They're my pick and pop player. You know. Yeah. So it's like it's pretty cool that I've been able to have that relationship with my power forwards my whole life. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got a question here that 
I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll be the first person to ask you, and I think it's the most important question I can ask you. Yes. Why and when did you go from DJ Way to just Wheezy? But never felt it never felt like that was something that I could stick with for too long. Sure. I mean, would you agree? Yes, yes. Self-given nicknames are, are but, the worst nicknames. So I gave that nickname to myself in college, and a lot of people still call me DJ. And you know, it just I don't know. It just was kind of like through the first couple of years in uh, Connecticut, people still call me DJ, and then Katie Douglas started calling me Weezy. And then, well, went from Way to Wheezy, and then Simone picked up the Wheezy here in Minnesota. And then since that, is, you know, since, since Simone started it here, it's just kind of, now it's really hung on, you know, now it's really come up where that's like my nickname for sure. But DJ Way was, I guess, more college, and then it was Katie Douglas and Simone. And so that one feels better, too, because it's like other people gave it to me. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you've kind of been yeah, and you've kind of matured into it, right? It's just like as as you have evolved as a player, your your name evolves with you. Yeah, Weezy F baby. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, everybody. I mean, Renee was big on that. Moan. Um. Yeah, like coach, when I have like my good games, she'll be like, Weezy was out there tonight. <laughs> Um, 2008, you came in second to, uh, in the MVP voting behind rookie uh-huh. Candace Parker. Um, yep. would you like to bury her and say that you should have won the MVP? Well, I mean, that was the first year I think that they in- implemented, I can't remember what type of voting. I think it was, uh, was it fan voting? Yeah, there was some fan, there's some total points was kind of, was added up and, yeah, she beat you by not much, like 30 or 40, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and you know what? Candace is an all-around player, and, you know, she deserves it. I think I, I think she's had a couple MVPs, and I know she had the MVP in 2016 when they beat us in the finals. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that year, it, uh, you know, it's just when it's, a, when it's a rookie, you know, I mean – playing with Lisa Leslie and Delisha Mountain Jones. That year in two thousand eight I felt like me and Asia probably had more fair of an, more of an impact on our team because everybody left. Right. And we still made the playoffs. We were twenty two and twelve. And we kinda carried the team whereas, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, she you know, she won it so you can't ever say, Oh, she didn't deserve it but I mean, you know, looking at the rosters I would say their roster should have probably done better than our roster, and having some leaders like that ahead of you as a rookie. Um, I mean, no question, rookie of the year. She should have been rookie of the year. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know what? I got first team that year, and I got runner up. So I can always say I, I can always say I took second. You know? Yeah. So it's um, obviously it's a prestigious club because there's only been like 22. Right. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that it's like. Hey, you know, you do your best, and when honestly, when it comes down to it, it's really not in your control at all. It's media, fan, and whoever. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things that it's like I more like the first team is I feel like voted by the coaches or like the all star when you get voted as a reserve, like the coaches pick you. Like those are the things that are are really I think valuable because you're being picked by you know the coaches in the league who are watching every game. Right. Anyway, yeah. I wish I would have won for sure, though. So I'm not going to say that she didn't. I'm not going to say at all that she uh, she didn't deserve it because you can't say that. I mean, she won it fair and square, and she, you know, their team had a had a great year, and obviously she made a you know very lasting impact in our league. So um, if you're going to lose it to a player, you want to lose it to someone, you know, like a Candace Parker, a Diana, or a Lisa Leslie, kind of a once-in-a-generation once player, Maya Moore, you'd want to lose it to one of those players because of the impact that they've had on the league. Yeah, I, I, feel, like, um, I, feel, like that was a, I feel like that was a good answer, and I feel like I'll, I'll get, uh, potentially I can get a harsher answer once you retire. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shelf that question, <laughs> and I'm going to come back to it in, in three or four years. Um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just, uh, it would have been nice to have that mantle here, but, you know, I'll take four rings. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Touche. You know, the rings, the rings and the banners, the banners stay forever in the, in the buildings that you put them in, so. Um, well, okay, yeah, so we'll, I'll take those. so I'll, I'll kind of start wrapping this up with, uh, and you had mentioned it earlier, you've done some TV work this year, um, is, and, and you, like you said, you didn't really expect it and kind of walked into it. Was mm-hmm. there, have you had a, a moment that it kind of clicked for you when you were like, hey, this is something I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at and I enjoy? And was there an embarrassing moment? I know I've had plenty of on-air, uh, you know, snafus. Did you, did you have any moment that you're like, I can't believe I just did that? Yeah, uh, man. So, you know, I think when it kind of clicked was actually, when it clicked that I liked doing it was my second game with the Timberwolves when we, when we did the home game against Philly. So for my first game out in L.A., it was pretty rough because I had no idea really what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the other thing is in L.A., you're up super high. So it's like you're not courtside for the Clippers. So you feel super far away. You don't know where you're supposed to look. You're doing your first game. It was just terrible. But then the second game, I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, I really prepared well. Jim really helped me prepare for that game. Um, I, it was like my second game in the week, so I just felt way more prepared and way more just everything comfortable. Um, I would probably say some of the some of the on-air, I'm trying to think, just like my first couple of games, I feel like I would kind of lead with a point that ended with, like, nowhere, <laughs> and no one would really say anything. And that's one of the things where, like, if you're going to, like, start, like, kind of have an ending, have an out. Yeah. Because, like, you don't want to just be, like, talking and then no one really knows what to say after you. So that, and then probably just, like, times when, times when you kind of talk over, the like, in a three-man booth, like, when you talk over the play-by-play guy. Yep. And then it's like, oh, no, okay, you go. <laughs> and it just, it just, like, finding that chemistry it's, uh, we haven't done it now in a while because we've found, I think, better chemistry. So, um, but yeah, and like the first couple highlights, I'm sure are like look terrible, like that I talked over because it's just like you really don't know how to like talk for 40 seconds about Carl Anthony Towns, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas now, once you do it a couple times, it gets easier. But like the first couple times you do it, you have no idea like really what you're doing. You know, I do. And so it's, yeah. So it's like you get to 20 seconds and you'll be like, oh, and he goes and dunks it. (laughs) And then he gets the ball again. And it's like your highlight package, you know? So it's like, and then, so it's more or less stuff like that. I haven't had one thing that I've been like almost sworn or like, you know, looked crazy. I don't think, Um, but it's more or less just like those first couple of times when you leave you say something and it's like it, no one else knows what to say. Yeah. It was probably stupid. <laughs> and then not knowing how to fill the amount of time that like a highlight package you're supposed to speak for. Cause you just, you don't want to have dead air in that situation. Yeah. But you also don't just want to be like, and he grabs the ball and he shoots it. You know, it's like, they can see that. You have to like, <laughs> know like so many more things about like, percentages and like he's shooting this and like well, here's an example right here of like oh man look how he uses the pick and roll and, or whatever yeah give you some know, give like, some context but yeah using that and being able to communicate that has been like the biggest the hardest thing and once once you see someone who's good at it and like jim is obviously great he's been doing it for like 20 years so my partner who i've been able to learn from i kind of try to mimic him because he's been doing it for so long and it's just uh some of those first ones, I'm sure, like, they're in the studio probably just, like, and are in the truck, like, what is going on, you know? But you live and you learn. I hear you. I, uh... I, I cursed on one of my first ever softball broadcasts, uh, so... You did? Yeah, I, I meant to say she hit, and you can imagine what I said. Oh, no, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, so I feel you. Yeah. Do, do they have to do the, uh, the bleep? Yeah, the quick bleep, yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, as soon as it happened, I just kind of, you know, Squinted my eyes and, yeah. and looked up and my bad guys, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, I can see where that'd be tough though. Yeah. So yeah, but so yeah. We, you and I are both uh, still rookies in the in the 
uh, broadcasting field, so I, I can feel your pain. It's fun, though. I like that you can, I don't know if this is how it works for you, though, but you can kind of, like, pick your, you can pick the game, or, like, they'll come to you, and you can say, yes, that works, or no, it doesn't. Yes, yep. And so your schedule is a little more of, like, you can kind of, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, in the season, you're just like, this is when we have to be here, this is when we have to do that. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have that little bit of freedom where it's like they'll give you some games that you can do and you kind of look at your schedule and see if it works. Yeah. Um, so last thing, and I'll get you out of here, and thank you so much for spending so much time with us here. Uh, you know, you and I were talking before we hopped on, and you, you've, you're getting back into to game shape yet again as you, you get ready for another season. And I know you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've been in the league for the majority of its existence. Um, my last question, I guess, is um, looking back to, from your rookie year to now, what's, um, what's been the biggest change for you that you've noticed? Probably just, like, the size and the way everybody's able to move and jump because when I saw Chinea Gumake go get a rebound up by the rim in my like probably my 12th year I was just like oh man this game is really changing her life. you know of course Brittany Griner dunking and all those things and like Glory Johnson dunk like these players are just doing crazy stuff now but like just some of the rebounds that you see people getting um and some of the like being able to just like you know catch and traffic, pivot, you know, make a move, finish. It's like, you know, when you first came in the league, those things weren't necessarily happening. It was the players now, the fours and fives now are all up by the rim. And whereas probably my first couple of years, it was, you know, I, you know, well below the rim. Nobody was dunking like Griner. Nobody was finishing around the basket like Sill or Gumake, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would probably just say – that and, uh, I don't know, scoring, shooting, the free ball has really, you know, really took, taken on a whole new, like, life in basketball. It's just become such a weapon and such a necessity to have on your team that, um, you know, that's been a, that's been a big key as well for, um, you know, for teams. And it's been something that, that you've had to work on. Everybody's had to add it to, to their game, you know, because of such a big, important part. Yeah. All right. Well, last question, I promise, is the last question. Is there a player, and you can use a teammate if you'd like, even though I feel like that'd be a cop-out, but is there a player uh, in the league that the general fan base doesn't realize how good they are? That you go, man, Um, this kid, this this girl can go. Yeah, um, let me see. Well, let me see. I yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just dropped that one on you out of nowhere. So, uh. Yeah, no, you know what? I think one of the more underrated players in our league, um, a couple, Shavante Zealous, um, Tamara Young, um, Elizabeth Williams, Demir Stantis. Some of those players are uh, Tiffany Hayes made, an all-star, made the All-Star game last year, mm-hmm. and I thought she'd been deserving for probably a year or two so um yeah but i i always have thought oh zealous they want to ring an indie against us and um i've always thought she's just a really good player and she can really um you know do a lot for the team and then i've always thought Tamara young has been really underrated i've always thought she's been a really good player and just makes a lot happen for for their team yeah well, good I could probably go on the roster and pick a pick a player off of each team because sure. I feel like the league is really. I feel like the league is at a point right now where there's just a ton of talent and it's really hard to make a roster. Yeah. And so, I feel like there's a couple players like that in each team. If I went down the roster, I could probably pick a bunch because I just feel like there's enough players for more teams at this point. And so, hopefully, in the coming years, that that does happen some expansion. Um, because I feel like the, the talent pool is so deep that you could pick a couple players like that on each on each team. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Linz, thank you again so much for spending so much time with us. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And oh, it's fun. You're, uh, around. Yeah. No, you're good. You're. Uh, I appreciate your candidness and being willing to kind of yeah jump around as the as the name goes. So uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Sounds good. I'll, I'll come back on whenever.
All right. Thanks so much. We'll, we'll definitely take you up on it. So again, Lindsay Whalen of the Minnesota Lynx joining us. We appreciate that. And this is how you know she's a veteran, right? I try to goad her into that MVP talk, right? Try to goad her to to throw a little jab at a fellow WNBA player, start a little little mellow drama in the offseason, a little NBA style, and didn't take the bait. So that's a savvy veteran right there. All right, one more break. We'll come back with my final thought. And then, man, it's game time. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. the NCAA tournament starting today, I thought I would share my only personal experience with the tournament. See, I was a student assistant at Gardner-Webb University, my alma mater in North Carolina, and after losing the conference tournament championship the year prior to Liberty, who wins it all the time and who won it again this year, not that I'm bitter. Anyway, we beat them. We beat them, and we, we go to the NCAA tournament, we do the selection show, and we get a, we get a 14 seed playing number three Miami Florida and as you guys know if you're 16 your chance of winning is nothing if you're 15 it's pretty much nothing if you're 14 oh say we got a chance so we go up to Charlottesville Virginia uh, University of Virginia was the host site we were at uh, Oklahoma and I think James Madison were the other two at the site but anyways we go to play Miami and we're we're warming up and we're looking at them going, you know what, we're, we're a good team. You know, we've got some players that sh- probably shouldn't be at Gardner-Webb, but they should be somewhere higher, but they're there, and we're, we're, we feel pretty good about ourselves. And Man, during warm-ups, you start looking at their point guard, man. Man, their point guard's bigger than our power forward, and their, their three guard's pretty darn close to being as tall as our center. So we go out there, don't give one heck of an effort. Now, we're down eight with about five minutes to go, and I'm thinking, man, we're about to pull an upset. And then Shanice Johnson happened. Now, let me tell you. I don't know who Shanice Johnson is. She's a, she's a pro, and she's a good one. So Shanice Johnson comes up court, gets a pass, and starts going at the rim. And, and Dom Hudson, our senior captain point guard, steps up, take a charge. I like it. I like that leadership. Dom's in perfect position. She gets outside the arc. She stops. She crosses her hands over her chest. And Shanice Johnson jumps. And she keeps going up. And she keeps going up. Shanice Johnson, Michael Jordan on Dom Hudson. I'm talking legs out, straight over top of Dom's head. And she nicked her on the way over, and the ref gave her an and one when she finished it. My man, the girl just jumped over our point guard. She don't need you giving her no pity and ones, okay? That was the moment I knew. It just was, was not in the cards for us to get that upset. We lost by like, I don't know, 16, 17, and that was that. But this is the best time of the year as far as I'm concerned, and I can't wait for these games to get started today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Jody Taylor, the head coach of the University of Georgia, and Lindsey Whalen, the point guard for the Minnesota Lynx, for joining us today. If you enjoy us, we'd love for you to give us a great review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to us. Those reviews really help. And we really appreciate the time you've given us to listen. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Coach underscore Blake underscore with any feedback or thoughts. And we really appreciate your support as we continue to grow our sport. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis.